Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Victory Drive. I know I say this on the episode as well, but welcome. I appreciate all of you guys sticking around. We made it to episode 20, everyone. It's a milestone. Big deal. A lot of things happening here. Um... Man, this episode's awesome. Uh, I had John Snodgrass on from Loophold Optics. He's the product line manager, and he mainly handles all the tactical LE-type LE rifle scopes and red dots. Like he, uh, He's really big on the Mark V um, series and all that stuff. He's just a wealth of knowledge. He's former Army. Uh, he was on the, in the Oregon National Guard, and he was on the shooting team in the Army. And he's just got... All sorts of stuff, and we we didn't have that long in this episode to talk, but man, uh, we got a lot in in a short amount of time, and I, I'm looking forward to having um, having him on again. It was a great episode, and he also works a lot with PRS and NRL matches, and we talk get into some of that stuff as well. And he's just uh, he's been in the industry a long time. Um, he's been working for Loophole for a long time, and it's just awesome getting to talk to him, but. I'm sorry. I'm burping a little bit. I'm in Carroll, Iowa for uh, a work trip, and I'm recording in the hotel room here, by the way. So if I sound a little off, it's because I just ate a shit ton of Mexican food. Um, it was delicious. It was great. But, man, I'm a little fucking burpy here. I had a couple margaritas and some Mexican food. So don't hang me out to dry if I sound a little off. But uh, I also... Another very, very special announcement, everyone. Um, kind of a big deal here. All right, this could be a game changer. There's going to be a lot of things coming from Victory Drive here in the future. But number one thing, we have partnered with Grizzly Coolers. They are going to be our title sponsor here on Victory Drive. And Grizzly Coolers is a very exciting partnership. I've been – you guys might probably know these guys from – WCB and um, they're a sponsor for a working class bow hunter, but 
they're going to be our title sponsor here on Victory Drive, and I couldn't pick a better company to work with. They are the shit, and Kurt came to me and called me on the phone and expressed that Grizzly was interested in being the title sponsor of Victory Drive, which is awesome, 20 episodes in, and we're already getting sponsored up with such great companies like Grizzly Coolers. They are an American-made product. You guys know this already, but they're made right out right in Decorah, Iowa. I mean, that is, that partnership just makes a whole lot of sense for this um, for this podcast, for the show, because, I mean, American-made in Iowa, not too far away from me. It just, it all makes sense. And these guys are hunters and outdoorsmen, so when they make a product, they have people like us in the front of their mind every time. They make a high-quality, super durable product. I'm really looking forward to working with these guys and hearing what they have coming in the future and it's going to be awesome and like yeah like i said before you guys know them from wcb they've been around for a long for a long time and they are really really making strides in the outdoor hunting community and because they also sponsored wcb it only makes sense for us to keep the same discount code for all of you guys so when you listen to Victory Drive or Working Class Bowhunter, you're going to get 15% off with code WCB. So you go to Grizzly, you go to checkout, you buy, you get your stuff, and you go in there and you um, put code WCB in, you're going to get 15% off. All right, that's an awesome deal. You guys can get into some of some fucking amazing coolers and drinkware and apparel and all sorts of other shit from Grizzly Coolers. They make awesome awesome products i've personally used them myself um for the past few years i got i've i got a cooler from my last job as like a you know working safe deal for however i think it's five years of working safe and we got a grizzly drifter and that thing is the shit and i've used a couple some of their drinkware and stuff in the past and they are just high quality shit everyone in iowa knows them they are making great stuff and when you compare them to the to the competitors for what you're getting with grizzly coolers i mean come on you're talking cheaper than the competitors and it's arguably better it's definitely more durable and honestly when you come to the ice challenge which if you guys want to i'll do an ice challenge and stuff and see what holds up with the competitors i'm willing to do that but it's one of those things man that grizzly coolers they they put out great shit and they're highly competitive and they're going to do, it's going to do everything you want. It's going to keep shit hot that's meant to be hot. It's going to keep shit cold that's meant to be cold. I mean, what else can you ask for in a cooler? Not much because it's doing what it's supposed to do. And it's fucking grizzly proof. It's a grizzly cooler that a grizzly can't even get into because they're not smart enough to open the latches. So it's one of those things, man. Great company. Super awesome partnership. Fucking stoked to be, um, have them on board. And like I said, code WCB for 15% off. All right. I won't bother you guys anymore. I just want to announce that quick. And if you guys haven't seen the my new uh, logo, it has presented by Grizzly Coolers on there, which is pretty fucking dope. So without further ado, everyone welcome John Snodgrass and welcome Grizzly Coolers to the Victory Drive family. I really am looking forward to this one. You guys are going to love it. Peace.
right, guys. Welcome back to Victory Drive Podcast. Uh, today, very special guest for you. We've got John Snodgrass in from Leupold. So, John, thanks for coming in and cutting a little bit of time out to come talk to me uh, over here in Iowa. No, that's my, my pleasure. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Well, um, I figured, so this is kind of what I do with everyone that I have on. Uh, we want to give a quick little background on you and where you came from and how you got into doing what you do at Leupold. Yeah, so I've been at Leupold for about 16 years now. My current title, I'm the product line manager for all of our tactical uh, products. So all of our like Mark IV, Mark V type rifle scopes and all of our red dots. Um, started out here at the company answering phones in the tech services department and um, have been fortunate enough to kind of move my way through the company into sales and then marketing and now in product development. So I've uh, been here a long time. It's They've treated me really well and, and I've got one of the best jobs in the world. That's awesome. That's really good to hear. So you started in the, you said in the call department, like customer service stuff? Yep. Yeah. I started out taking calls in the technical services department. So anybody who had a problem with their scope or needed, you know, instructions or tools or whatever. Yeah. I, I started out answering the phones uh, about 16 years ago and then was able to kind of move into other positions from there. Wow. That's awesome. That's like a real, you know, American uh, work your way up kind of story there. <laughs> yeah, that, that's one of the great things about our company. So I don't know how much you know about Leupold, but the, the company's been in business for 116 years now. Um, we're on the fifth generation of family ownership, so still still a family company. Still, even though we're, we're really big in the industry, it still has that, that family, small company feel, which is awesome. And we have tons of longevity here. We Not very many places you can go anymore where you talk to people that have been working for a company sometimes over 40 years. So it, it's a great place to work and they treat us really well. That's awesome. That's kind of hard in America right now too, especially. It seems like those types of companies are really falling by the wayside, like the family owned, operated, handed down generation to generation type of business. It's like they're always yeah. being bought out by someone else that's bigger that doesn't really give a shit about what you're doing exactly and, and i would agree with that and it's kind of the old adage you know usually if a company can survive the second and third generations then it's got got some potential or it's got a chance mm-hmm. to survive so i mean that's that one thing this this place has done is again we're we're on the fifth generation probably seem to be sixth generation of, of family that actually works in the building and still still works at the company so not something you see very often anymore but it's it's a great environment to be part of that's awesome. Uh, I don't know if you can go into it, but how hands-on are the owners? Um, there's, I mean, there's, there's several family members, and there's, there's still, I believe, at least five or six that that are actually active in the company. Oh, okay. In in different parts of the company, yeah. And then uh, lots of family members that are on the board, and, and then also a, a family council that also helps oversee the business. Sure. Yeah. Cause I mean, we're talking about loophole here. You're not exact. You're not, when you say family owned and operated, it's that, that's awesome, but still not a small company. You guys are huge and huge in the industry, in the shooting industry and hunting industry too. Um, mm-hmm. when I first, uh, when I got my, well, I didn't get it, but the first time I ever used a loophole was when I was in the army and I, I don't know, ever since then, I mean, granted, maybe I was an impressionable age, but, uh, I was, when I first started using those and use some of the other guys, cause I was in a recon platoon and we had snipers, the sniper, 
with us, like all the sabers and shit. The saber section, there you go. Sorry, I was having a brain fart there. But we had the saber section attached, well, with the uh, recon platoon, and they all had loopholes. I can't remember what it was, what model they were back then, but this is a so like 2010 the, the, time frame. Yeah, so 2010, so the there, there was actually several systems in, in that time frame. So you, you had the original M24s, which would have mm-hmm. had either a fixed 10 power uh, or a Mark IV, three and a half to ten on them, depending on what generation they came from. Okay. Um, the 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 XM twenty ten, uh, you know, that two thousand ten time frame. That's when they also upgraded from the M twenty four to the the twenty ten system, which was taking those those old model twenty fours and converting them into three hundred Winchester. Mm-hmm. Um, the M one ten was the the semi automatic sniper rifle, um, the SAS. So that was the Knights Armament SR-25, and those had Mark IV 3.5 to 10s on them. And then also all the DMR programs at that time, they had the EBRs where they, they reconfigured the old M14s, and then also mm-hmm. like the the 5.56 DMR guns, those all had either 3.5 to 10s or 2.5 to 8 Mark IVs. So mm-hmm. we've, we've really got a, a long legacy uh, in the military, um, lots, of, lots of heritage there, and almost every big army uh, sniper system has had a loophole on it for decades. Oh yeah, yeah. So when I was in, I was in that 2010 time frame, like we were talking, and when we were in Afghanistan, uh, that's when we actually got those XM 2010 shipped over to us, and we use those on a couple different missions. And those things are those things are pretty sick. Uh, but a lot of the guys, a lot of guys in our sniper section, they really like the the M, the two four was the most popular. All the guys love the two four. But yeah, that, that thing was, I mean, and so I, I went in in 1996, got out in 2002 and I, I remember getting hand me down 24s that were like, I think we, we started that program in 1986 and the M24 actually went into service in 1988. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's how long those wow. things were in the system. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, so you were in the Army, too, for a while, and you we were talking a little bit beforehand. So you were an infantryman, 11 Bravo, right? Correct. So, I mean, just for, for full disclosure, I was actually in the Oregon National Guard. But, yeah, okay. I was, uh, well, it was 11 Bravo, and then, as we discussed a little earlier, I got really lucky. Um, at one point, they, they found out I could run fast and I could shoot pretty good. So I was able to get on the Oregon National Guard shooting team and got to spend a lot of time running around shooting guns and, and calling it work. That's awesome. So what did you, what did that entail being on the army shooting or the Oregon national guard shooting team? So it's, it's, it's actually kind of funny. So I started out, uh, shooting machine guns. So back in those <laughs> days, um, you know, everything was a build up for the Wilson, uh, the Winston P Wilson matches for the guard. And then at that time they were still doing some, uh, some inner service matches too. So I started out shooting a machine gun. Part of that, the machine gun course of fire was you had to run two miles with the gun and the pencil and all your ammo and all that stuff. And, uh, like I said, it just, I, I was able to cover, cover a lot of territory, um, pretty quickly. So me and, and my gunner, we did pretty good. Um, uh, went to a lot of the, the regional state and regional stuff, went to the Wilson matches a few times. Um, transitioned out of shooting the machine gun over to shooting service rifle and uh, spent six years just basically cruising around the country shooting guns. <laughs> <laughs> that is super badass, honestly. Because let me, uh, all the listeners know this, but I was in the Iowa National Guard beforehand and then I went active duty later on. But that's where, in the Guard is when I was uh, in the reconnaissance platoon and as an infantryman. 
And when I went active duty, I was actually an artilleryman, and that was a whole that's a whole other story there. But uh, no, uh, so actually, what's funny is we when we deployed to Afghanistan, we had two guys come from the Oregon National Guard to our my platoon when we deployed. Awesome, yeah, because we were we were a little low on manpower, and we just my our platoon we needed a couple more guys, and these guys from Oregon volunteered. And they had just gotten back from Iraq, like, not that long ago. And then they volunteered and came to Afghanistan with us. And they were awesome dudes. Like, just really great-A dudes. And the one of one of my buddies, he actually lives in Beaverton, Oregon. So okay. I think yeah, that's that, pretty that's close That's actually where we're – yeah, we, we are actually in, in the heart of Beaverton. So, oh, yeah. um, if, if if you've been out to visit your, your friend, we are – pretty close to the Nike campus and uh, been in the location we're at right now since 1968. Wow. That's awesome. A lot of history there then. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 I mean, if we, if we got a lot, sorry to interrupt. So if we got a little good. time, so it's, it's, it's actually this just part of my story, um, you know, in the, in the, how fortunate I was. So I actually uh, was born in the hospital, like two miles up the road from the factory and lived within a mile and a half of the factory my entire life. Grew up hunting, um, hunting, shooting, family always had loophole. And, uh, you know, so it was just like at the time, 30 years later, when I finally got a job here, it was just, it was almost like a dream come true for me. Oh, that's awesome. That was one thing I was going to ask. Is that like a childhood dream of yours to be working for loophole? You know, there, there was, wasn't a lot of like, you know, when I was a kid, I wasn't like, Oh, I want to work for loophole, but I'd always use the products. Um, you know, family use the products, obviously, uh, you know, hunting was a, was a big part of my life growing up. And so I was familiar with it and knew new loophole was here, but it wasn't until later in life, you know, I, I did the guard thing. Um, I, I worked a long time for, uh, I was a mechanic for BMW, hmm. uh, in a couple of different dealerships here in town. And then when it's like, okay, you finally need to grow up and figure out what you want to do with your life. And, and just kind of fell into this job because really it was the only other thing I knew how to do. Um, <laughs> and you just, the rest is history. That's awesome. That's really cool. I mean, that's just a really cool story, honestly, from, for everything, just starting in the call center, basically like doing customer service and moving up to where you're at now. So, moving up to where you're at now. So what exactly does your job entail, I guess? So my, the, my core responsibility is, is new product development and then maintaining or managing the, the life cycle of the products that we, we currently have in the system. So um, when we're, when we're thinking about the next product we're going to build or, or what we're going to do in the future, we always have to consider, you know, what's in the system now and, are we going to maintain what the legacy is? Or are we going to uh, kill a product and, and bring in something new that replaces it? So managing those things is, is the big bulk of what I do. Mm-hmm. And then the fun part is going out and working with the consumers and the end users and trying to figure out, you know, what problems are there that haven't been solved yet? And how do we come up with a product that's going to solve those problems? Okay. So that is, uh, I mean, you're talking about going out and when you say consumers, you're going out into like uh, PRS and NRL type matches and competitions and kind of. Yep. Yeah. I, I do a lot of that. Um, we do a lot of, of work with, you know, different government agencies or, or with the military. So 
Um, you know, like the, the Mark V is probably the, the most notable current product that, that I worked on. And so that, that family of scopes came out of uh, working with the governments, uh, trying to develop a product that would be something that meets all their needs and does everything that, that they would need it to do at the same time, also being able to recognize the consumer component of that. So we could come up with something that, that was available to everybody, but met all the needs of the military and government agencies also. So, you know, it kind of gives us a, a broader pool to sell to. Mm, okay. Oh, that's awesome. That, that's gotta be, I mean, do, do you travel quite a bit for your job then? Cause it sounds like you're bouncing around all over the place. Yeah. I, I get out of the office quite a bit. You. That's yeah. good. That's probably the fun part. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's all fun. Yeah. Um, but, well, but yeah, yeah I mean, be, being able to get out and talk to people and, you know, it's, it, it's just great to, I mean, my job consists of going around and talking to people about hunting and shooting and, mm-hmm. you know, what are their experiences? What do they like? What do they don't like? You know, are there, are there things that they wish that they had that someone hasn't done yet? And then I got to, I get to take all that feedback and come back and, and work with teams of engineers and try and, and turn all that data that we go out and get into mm-hmm. new products. Like it's, it's the best job in the world. Like I said earlier. Yeah. Yep, that's and I guess when I said that's the fun part, I didn't mean I didn't mean to say that the other part's not fun. I meant I guess like it's kind of, it's kind of like building if you're a carpenter building a house, like maybe maybe like roofing the house isn't exactly the best part of it, but like going out and seeing the finished product and seeing it in use and seeing it um, being utilized the way it's supposed to be and hearing that feedback, that's got to be pretty damn exciting. Like all the building, the build up to it is uh, it's a journey in itself. But getting out there and seeing the pro- the finished product and talking to talking to people, saying how much they love it or what they would like to see changed in it, like, that's got to be pretty damn exciting too. Like the whole yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, so do you also compete in those matches, or are you solely there just to kind of talk to the cons- customer base and see what's going on? Yeah, I wouldn't call myself competitive. I do go out, I shoot the matches, have a lot of fun, but it, usually my results are just mostly to make other people feel really good about how good they shot. <laughs> um, but I, I do enjoy going out and doing, yeah. So I, I, I shoot a lot of the new, uh, the NRL Hunter matches are, you know, kind of become one of my favorite because they really mm-hmm. incorporate um, a skill set that involves all of our core products, right? So with the NRL Hunter, you're, I don't know how much you know about it, but, um, you're you're on a time hack and you have to move into position find your targets by yourself range them get your dope and engage the targets and and usually you know if you're shooting as individuals you've got four minutes to do all that and that four minutes goes by fast um for for us it's great because you know you have to use a binocular you have to use a range finder you have to use your rifle scope so for me it, it really takes the the essentials of everything that we do here at the factory and puts them into a practical application where you actually really get to go out and put the things that you're making to the test. And it becomes pretty apparent whether they work or whether they don't when, when you're actually the one on the ground doing it. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I've shot some PRS. I used to shoot a lot of three gun back in the day when, when three gun was more popular. Um, but like I said, I, I go out and I do it and I have fun, but I, I would not call myself a threat to anybody's placement. <laughs> right. And also like we we're talking earlier, you now you work for loophole. So, um, it's one of those things where when you're in, 
quote unquote industry, you get a little bit less time to do that stuff. So exactly. I, I spend a lot more time watching other people shoot than shooting myself. Let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's so fun, but it's, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I, I have a buddy, Landon Baker. He's been on the podcast a couple times now, but he shoots a lot of uh, PRS and NRL matches and he's, he really likes the NRL matches too. It just, it's a totally different uh, deal. I've never shot one personally, but I've looked into them and I'm very interested in shooting, shooting them someday. I just, um, when it comes to like rifle builds and stuff, man, I don't know. It gets a little daunting when you start, uh, tallying up all the dollar signs and stuff to get into that stuff. Cause the only rifle I have is I have a, like a Ruger American six, five Creedmoor. And, uh, I just bought a Ruger M 77 Hawkeye in 30 out six. I'm like, I don't know if I want to go out there and embarrass myself in an NRL match with, uh, with that, with that gear, but it's one of those things where it, in an NRL hunter match, um, what are you seeing for like rifle builds? Most these are, are they like those super high end, um, I guess long, long range guns, or are you seeing more, more or less like someone taking out their hunting rifle? So it's actually, and I'm going to give a big plug to the NRL here. So it's, it's actually the great, that's the great thing about the way that they're, they've set themselves up and how they've kind of chartered themselves. So it, it really is about helping people become better, more ethical hunters, right? So uh, the way the matches are set up, they have a skill stage, like they're, they're very open, very encouraging. Usually you go to a match and 40 to 50% or more of the people who are there are, are new to the NRL hunter or new to competition. And then they really do have it set up where you can come out with your hunting rifle that you already have, you don't have to spend a ton of money. You know, you, your Ruger American will work just fine to get out there and see what it's about. The, the gun's accurate enough. Um, you know, it's what you're going to use when you're actually out in the field. So it gives you a chance to come out and practice with, with the rifle that you've already got. And then, you know, the people who decide to take it to the next level. Yeah. You can, you can start dropping some serious dollars and, and building a custom rifle it does have weight classes set up. So, you know, there's, there's a, a factory class where you bring out a factory gun. You can't modify it at all. If it's got a threaded barrel, you can put a muscle brake on it. Uh, and you know, that's about it as far as shooting the factory class, and, mm. you know, you have, you have options of shooting factory ammo. Then they have a, a weight class to what they call the, the open light guns. And you can do pretty much whatever you want to do to the rifle, but it's got to weigh less than 12 pounds, all set up the way that you're going to run it in the match. Oh, okay. And then they have a, and then they have an open heavy class where the rifle has to weigh 16 pounds or less, all set up the way you're going to run it. And that, that 16 pound uh, limit actually comes from the state of Idaho actually has a law where if if you're out hunting for big game, you can't have a rifle that weighs more than 16 pounds. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's pretty interesting the way that they've, they've done a lot of research. They've done a lot of homework on um, a lot of the laws and, you know, mostly in the Western States, but, uh, mm-hmm. and I believe that Idaho law came from just trying to keep guys from like taking 50 cows out and shooting oh. elk and deer at, at long distances. I'm not hundred percent sure, but yeah, that actually was something that came out of, of a law from Idaho that your, your rifle couldn't weigh more than 16 pounds. Wow. Huh. That's interesting. That's really cool that they're, I mean, going in and looking at the, I guess the game laws and making sure that they're adhering to those laws because they don't have to. I mean, it's just, it's a shooting competition. 
but it's cool that they're looking in the game laws to keep it that NRL Hunter name, I guess. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah. Like I so said, when you when you if you go on their website, uh, and again, just to give them a big plug because all they're they're all great people. But yeah, it really is about you know providing an environment where you can come out and and they put you in as close to a real hunting situation as you can in a, in a competition realm. Um, and, and it really is about you know getting better with your equipment, getting faster with your equipment, so you can be a better hunter and more ethical as far as your shots and, and being comfortable taking shots at, at longer distances if that's what you're into. Yeah, that's badass. I mean, that's one of those. That's one thing I've looked into it just a little bit and perused the rules and everything else. But it's just like just like any other uh, anything else. Reading rules is kind of dry. So I didn't, I didn't get super into mm-hmm. it because I was just perusing around, seeing what it was all about. But uh, I didn't know all that, which is awesome to hear. Um, yeah. When you go out and shoot, uh, can you explain just your your personal rifle build? Uh, so I actually usually shoot the factory class with just a, a bone stock Sig Cross. Oh. Um, it's, it's a rifle that... Uh, I'll, I'll put it this way. We, we have a, we have a pretty good rivalry going with SIG as far as SIG optics goes. Oh, yeah. So it was, it was, I, I'll admit it was a rifle that I didn't want to like as much as I do, but I, I really love shooting it. Um, it's a comfortable gun to shoot. It, it fits the, the NRL hunter factory class perfectly. Um, you know, out here, the way, the way that I hunt, it's a great rifle because, uh, you know, the stock folds down. It's it's fairly short barrel. It's only 18 inch barrel, so I can run my suppressor on it without making it too long. Um, so that that's what I use is I shoot the factory class and um, shoot the Sig Cross, and that's you know if if I'm lucky enough to draw a tag, that's the rifle that goes with me when I actually go out hunting. So yeah. it does pay dividends in being familiar with the gun and being comfortable with it. Oh, for sure. I've heard, I've seen a lot of that Sig Cross pop up in a lot of different places. It seems like a pretty pretty awesome rifle, honestly. I, I I love mine. Like I said, just just because of, of kind of our our intercompany rivalries, uh, I didn't want to like it as much as I do. But it is a really <laughs> great. It's a, it's a really great gun, uh, you know, as a, as a hunting rifle, and it also does really work well for the NRL hunter stuff. Yeah, and that makes sense. But also at the same time, it is kind of funny that you're. I guess you have this rivalry going on. You bought their rifle and put you know a loophole on it. That's so pretty. Like, oh, absolutely. It's kind of one of those things where it's like, hey, hey you know what? Cool. Like, I don't know. I don't, know <laughs> I don't want to say slap in the face to him, but, you know, it's one of those things like, yeah, okay, I'll buy your gun, but I'm putting a fucking loophole on it. <laughs> like, well, I mean, I that, is, that is one of the great things about our industry, too, is, you know, there you, you have companies you compete with, but most of the people that I've met in this industry are really good people. Um, you know, we, we all, for the most part, get along with each other. So it's, it is, it is fun to have the rivalry, but it's also fun to be able to, you know, just be human beings and, and act normal around each other and have a lot of fun doing it. Yeah, for sure. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. So is that pretty common? You don't, you can tell me to fuck off and not answer these questions if I get too, (laughs) I guess, get too deep in there, but 
Um, as far as like the shooting industry as a whole, is there like is it pretty um, cordial? I guess between companies and everything else. Absolutely, it's. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what your experiences have been, but like you go out hunting and, and it's it, there's there's a common bond there um, that you'll have. You know, you're out walking around the woods and you know you think you have your your super secret place that nobody else knows about, and you run into somebody. My experience has been uh, you run into somebody out there in the woods and you you can sit there and have a brief conversation, and, and because of that common bond and, and that passion for what you're doing, you can have a conversation. And I kind of see our industry the same way. There's, mm-hmm. um, you know, for, for lack of a better term, there's, I've met very few douchebags in this industry. <laughs> um, and, and the ones who are usually get sussed out pretty quick okay. for the most part, you know, whether it's gun manufacturers or other optics manufacturers or you know, the clothing side, it's, it's a pretty tight industry and everybody just seems to get along really well from my experience. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's really good to hear, especially in the, I guess, the shooting industry, because kind of where I'm at with this podcast, I am with uh, World Class Bowhunter podcast, and I'm the firearm side of that. So I'm kind of, I guess, bridging a gap, because me personally, I've seen a little bit of a gap in some bow hunting, I guess, circles, and the, like the shooting circles i guess like there's some there in some places there is a bit of a divide and it's kind of cool being associated with you know word class and them bringing me on and doing this gun podcast and everything else but uh you know in any industry there's going to be some there's gonna be some douchebags no matter what wherever you go but it's good to hear that you know kind of the ones that survive and stay in it long term that they like you said get sussed out and um it is really cordial in the back end, I guess, too. Yeah. Like I said, my, my experience, I've been really fortunate to, to make a lot of friends in the industry and, and a lot of good contacts. And, you know, I mean, honestly, probably I'm, I'm the one that's suspect. Yeah. <laughs> when, you know, it's, like, it's like, you know, you, you hope that that's not the case, but I'm sure someone somewhere out there is like, yeah, <laughs> spot grass, fuck that guy. Yeah. Um, but no, but for the most part, it's, 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 um, it's been a great experience for me. Like I said, you know, the, the experience here at the company, but also within the industry, I've made a lot of friends. Uh, I can't really look, really can't say enough how, how good my experience has been mm-hmm. with the people in the industry, you know, not just at my company, but, but throughout the entire industry. That's and that's awesome. kind of, you know, like, as we were talking about earlier, you know, you were mentioned, didn't want to go out and, and like go to a match with your Ruger American and, and embarrass yourself. And I would, I would say to anybody who's listening, like, don't, don't put those limitations on yourself. Um, go out, take the gear that you have. The people that I've met at PRS matches at NRL hunter matches are so open and so engaging and, and really want you to be successful. Like you'll, you'll get more advice than you want, more help than you want. Um, but don't, don't put limitations on yourself or, or let your ego keep you from going out and, and giving it a shot. Cause the people are great. The experience is great. And you're going to, you're going to get as much feedback and influence as you want to get from those people. And you're probably going to have a great time doing it. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I and mean, that's very good to hear. Cause that is one thing I think holds a lot of people back. And that's another thing that's really Cool. This is gonna be you know, a little bit off subject, I guess. But one really cool thing about the NRL Hunter is that it's kind of 
bridging that I shouldn't say divide, but it's like one thing that we look at as hunters that I talk to a lot of people about um, the Pittman-Robertson Act and how that's so important to conservation, so important to our hunting heritage and all this other stuff. A lot of, sometimes people kind of forget that the vast majority of Pittman-Robertson money comes from the shooting community. And sometimes I see that, like, I see that, a little bit of a divide in certain realms, but and the shoot the the competitive shooters out there. I was talking, like I said, I was talking to my buddy Landon Baker, and he goes out and he shoots a lot. And he doesn't really hunt that much, but he him going out and doing all this stuff and shooting matches and shooting in his free time and all this other stuff. It's like he's contributing. Guys like him are contributing so much to conservation that a lot of people don't even really realize. And that's kind of cool about the NRL hunter too is get more people just in there um, supporting conservation while having fun and everything else as well in the off season, then going out and like you said, putting what they've learned to the, to the real test. Cause I mean, in my opinion, and I'm sure your opinion as well, the real test is when you're out there in the woods and you have that, you know, that you're that deer of a lifetime or that elk of a lifetime, whatever in your sights. And you want that moment of truth to be as effective as you can. Mm-hmm. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's, that's something that they really do push is, is using the experience in the matches to, to get better and, and be more confident when that moment comes, you know, the, the time limits they put you under, put you under some pressure. So, you know, you've, you've already experienced some of that, that tension and pressure. And when, when you have that, that one once in a lifetime moment. So it, it really is, I would encourage anybody that, that has an interest or thinks they might have an interest, just get out and give it, a, give it a try. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they do have what they call a skills division where you can go out and shoot the matches and, and the ROs, you know, they, they put a, a red zip tie on your, your gun and your scope. So the ROs can recognize that you're in that skills division and they'll give you as much help as you want in oh, okay. shooting the matches. So they, they really make it open to, or, or try to make it as open as possible to people to, to come out and have the experience. They're all about family. Um, you see a lot of moms and dads come out with, with their kids and the kids are shooting the matches. They, they have a classification for the, for the youth called the young guns. So, hmm. you know, dad or mom can come out and shoot the stage ahead of the kid. And then the kid comes up and dad and mom get to help them, help them out as, you know, as much as they need or want to get through the stage. So it really is open uh, to everybody. Um, it really is about trying to engage as many people as possible. And, you know, selfishly for me, the only thing that's going to keep me in, in business in the future is, is getting those new shooters out there, getting those kids involved. And, you know, those, I hate to be cliche, but, you know, the, the children really are the future getting getting those people into the sport um early is is going to be longevity for all of us as far as these these sports and, and hunting and conservation oh absolutely um, you know, we, we we need to get as many people involved as we can and, and they do a really good job of, of helping do that yep absolutely 100 percent agree and it's one of those things too where you know in the political realm of things you know our second second amendment rights are constantly under attack and there's always that threat uh from someone in power saying like, Hey, we're going to do this and this. And it's one of those things. If you teach, bring the youth up young and teach them how to respect, uh, a, you know, a rifle or a weapon of any, of any type and show them that it's not, it's not something to be scared of as long as you're doing it safely and how to do it safely and all that stuff. And it gets people, the more people you have less afraid of them, the 
better chance we have for this to keep going and I guess, yeah, future generations being able to do what we love to do today. And I think it's Absolutely. very important as well. Yeah, I, I agree, agree with that 100%. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess switching gears, oh, actually, I do want to say uh, my buddy Lane Baker that I've talked about like four times now already, he does, he, I was texting him earlier today, he did want me to let you guys know at Loophole, he appreciates, he, him and all of his friends and everyone else that shoots all these matches really appreciate Loophole's support in all these matches because you guys, I guess you guys, I, I guess I've never been to a match, but you guys put up some pretty awesome gear for prizes and stuff. We, we do, uh, you know, it's, and it comes back to that, you know, su- supporting the sport that, that supports us. So yeah, we, we love being able to, to put stuff on the prize table. You know, for me personally, I, I love being able to get out to the matches to engage with all the people. So yeah, whatever we can do to support the sport, um, it, it's, it just, hopefully comes back to us you know again as, as as people see what we're doing they get to experience our products and you know being able to support the matches as much as we can it's, it's just an honor and a privilege for us to, to be able to be engaged at that level and see the fruits of our labors actually mm-hmm. put to work yeah that that is awesome um yeah it makes me it honestly makes me want to get out and do that some sometime this year because i NRL Hunter, they have a match in Decor. They had a match in Decora, Iowa, last weekend that I yeah. sh- probably should have went to, but I was turkey hunting instead. But well, I mean, that that's not a bad way to spend a weekend. Either. No, no, it's not. And I just did a uh, well. That episode just dropped today, actually. Um, of my buddy, my buddy Matt came in and we talked about. I did a turkey recap, and it's pretty awesome because I got to take my. Me and my me and my buddy, so we've been trying to double up on turkeys for like the past five years and we finally did this year. So that was pretty awesome. And then the next day I took my nephew out for the first time his first ever hunt and we went out and he shot a awesome, like a really nice big gobbler. So that was amazing in itself and kinda like what we were talking about before, getting the youth out, getting new people into the sport, whether it's, you know, shooting sports or hunting, it's awesome because he had a he had an absolute blast and for me even i i don't think i'll stop talking about this for probably at least a few months but it was so awesome getting out there with him and seeing him kind of coaching him while we're out there and we had these uh, we had all these turkeys around us and it was just an amazing experience and trying to coach him and get him on on the turkey and point it out to him and get him on it and then watching him shoot it and just the overflow of joy and excitement after that was amazing. So, no, that, that's awesome, man. I'm I'm super happy that you got to have that experience with your nephew. That that's cool. Yeah. That, I mean, that's that's what makes it all worthwhile. And I don't I don't know, like it, I can kind of hear it in your voice, but like for me, having done it so long, that that's what's more important to me now is is I get more pleasure from going out and and being with someone who's new to it or maybe someone who's just coming back into it than I do if I go out and shoot something myself, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's like, I've been really fortunate enough to, to have got some nice animals over the years. Um, but I, I'm at that point in my life where it's, it's more fun for me to be out there with someone who hasn't had as many of those experiences and seeing the excitement on their face and being a part of bringing that excitement to their, their lives. It's, I've, and again, it just comes back to, you know, that's, that's really what it's all about, right? When you, mm-hmm. you take it full circle is, is being able to, 
take your experiences and, and pass them on to somebody else, whether that's, you know, a, a young kid or, uh, and I got to tell this story real quick. And in my case, um, my mom used to go out with my dad all the time, uh, before she had kids. And then, you know, after she had my mom, my sister and I, um, she just, she got to be in a mom and got busy and, and kind of got out of it and hadn't gone hunting or fishing for like 40 some years. I can't even remember how long it was, but, uh, and the first time we got her back out, she was 67 years old and started, you know, my, obviously the kids were out of the house and she finally realized that the, the stuff that she had enjoyed, she wanted to get back into. So yeah, when she was 67, she went back out hunting with us for the first time in, in years. And uh, I was able to get her a, a little black tail buck. So that was, that was awesome. And then, and awesome. then she went like six years straight shooting bigger deer than I did. And it was, it was <laughs> incredible. It was like some of the, the best memories I have from, from hunting season. It was awesome. That is awesome. That's a really, really cool story. Cause I mean, just, it's one thing to get, uh, like my nephew out or like your kid out. That's one thing. It's almost like, uh, as a, as a parent or an uncle, it's almost like your duty to take them out. If they're, if they show any interest in it at all, to get them out there and see if they like it. Mm-hmm. But for you to go back and take your mom out and kind of give back to her, what, I guess what you guys have stolen from her for the, you know, being kids. And stuff. <laughs> Thanks man. I was, I was feeling so good about myself. Till you put it that way. <laughs> well, then you did the right thing. You made up for it by taking her out and getting a really nice black tail and letting her shoot all the other big black tail. You know, yeah, so. well, I mean, the, the good news is mother day, mother's day is coming up. Right. So now you put enough guilt in me that I have to go to a really good mother's day present. So you know, that, that, there you go. There's that. Well, there you go. <laughs> Well, tell your mom you're welcome. She's welcome, you know. So we'll we'll do, yeah. <laughs> right then in the car, like Jake made me feel so bad that I had to get you whatever, whatever you wanted. So <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's awesome. No, that's a, that's a really really cool story. Uh, my so my dad, I he took me out, you know, Iowa whitetail, shotgun, deer, doing that kind of thing, and that's what kind of got that's what got me in, into hunting. And then I joined the army at such a young age where I took a really long hiatus from hunting, which was. Very unfortunate for me, but getting back into it too has been amazing. It's been such a wild ride and getting hooked up with working class bow hunter podcast and doing this podcast and meeting people like you and hearing these stories is, is it's, it's amazing. Such a great experience. And, um, like I was, I guess I don't know where the fuck I was going with that, but, um, uh, getting like people into it. Oh yeah. That's where I was going with it. Um, getting people into it. I've heard that story. Like you, you just said too, a couple different times from people where if, you know, getting new people out there and sharing the excitement, sharing what you enjoy to do so much, like getting them out and seeing them do it has been even more fulfilling than even tagging your own animal. I never really understood that until I did it. Like I, I, I believed them, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, but Going out there and doing my own thing is pretty fucking awesome still. And I still, and obviously I still enjoy doing that, but it is, it really, really is getting someone out there that hasn't done it before, or maybe took a long time off or whatever else. It's, it is an absolutely amazing experience. And I will be preaching that for quite a while. Cause it was very, it just kind of struck home after seeing that. And just, man, it's one thing to be out there in the woods and I shoot a nice deer or shoot a nice turkey and high five with my buddy and be like, yeah, I did it. Or yeah, you did it. Like, this is great. Cool. Great day. 
but then seeing someone that has never done that before doing it for the first time and seeing like that first flood of motion just takes you back to when I shot my first year and seeing my dad mm-hmm. being so stoked and being like, Oh my gosh, you know, Jake, great job. That was a great shot. Actually, I lied. My first year I shot was not a good shot. And my dad was mad. At me. <laughs> so <laughs> the second year I shot was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I, that, that story is, uh, is for another day, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, he was actually pretty pissed at me for making a bad shot on a deer. Cause we had to track him for quite a while, but yeah, in the second uh, year like- I did make a good shot. And it was awesome. But <laughs> Yeah, we won't, uh, at least not on, on national radio or, or over the, the internet. We won't, we won't talk about the first year I shot. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a similar experience but from the way it, it it's, sounds. It's a, it's a, yeah. It's a, it's a great story for over a glass of whiskey and a, and a campfire. Oh, but, uh, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll save that for a, a more private moment. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like, I don't know if it's, Good or bad, but when I shot, I remember when I sh- when I shot my first deer, it was I thought it was a doe because it was move kind of moving through the woods pretty fast. I'm like, oh, there, there's a deer and it's close enough. I'm going to shoot it. So I shot it and, and made a bad shot. But when we found out it was a really small buck, it's like it was just one of those other things. I'm like, dang it, oh man, this this sucks. But yeah, then my dad just preached to me. He's like, hey, that's why we practice, and then that got me out shooting more and practicing more. I didn't. It didn't dissuade me. Like at the time, I was feeling pretty down about down about myself. But then, you know, my dad after we, you know, recovered the deer and got it back and everything, he's like, "Hey, you know what? We found it. No big deal. You know, it it is what it is. It's learning experience and moving on." And then after that, you know, it's really picking your shots and make sure you make a good, clean shot from then on. Has been priority number one for me, and that's why I tried preaching to my nephew too. Like, hey, you know, we're I set a yardage for him and everything else. Like we're not going to shoot a turkey unless it's within 30 yards. You know, we're just going to set that range. If it's outside 30, we're not even going to take the shot. Cause I don't want his first experience, uh, turkey hunting to be, I guess, kind of be like my first experience deer hunting, even though that did come with good lessons in itself, but still, you know, it was one of those things I told him, you know, this is what here, the, here's what we're doing and we're going to shoot them when they're close kind of thing. Just, just make sure that you have the best opportunity at them. Yeah, that, that's great. And like I said, I'm, I'm super happy that you got to have that experience. So that's yeah. that's something that uh, it's kind of like a double dose of gratitude, right? You know, so when when you're the kid and, and you've got somebody that you know your mentor, whether that's your dad or your uncle or or whoever that takes you out, and you do get that first one. And you're so grateful for it, and it's it's mm-hmm. you know it, it is a huge rush of emotions. And then you know, for me being able to go out and do that for other people now, and, and like you mentioned, you know, see their reaction and see that energy and, and it, just, it makes me grateful again for that first experience I had. Cause that really is what sets the tone mm-hmm. for, for how you approach other people in it. And, um, you know, I don't know many other endeavors where you can, you can really get that kind of energy and, and emotion and, and feel the gratitude, you know, for your experiences and being able to, to give those experiences to other people, you know, there's, I played a lot of sports, done a lot of things, but, uh, never, never had that kind of energy and emotion from any of them. No, that you get from hunting. Nope. Absolutely not. Yeah. I I grew up playing sports. I played all sorts of different sports in high school. I never, I never stuck to one. That's kind of one of those things I tell people about myself too. Like I'll, 
I'll do something and get pretty good at it. And then I'll be like, okay, cool. And then I'll kind of move on in a lot of things. So I've done a lot of different things and gotten pretty good at a lot of different things, but I never stuck to like one thing. I was never like a great football player. I got pretty good, but I was never great at it. But it's exactly like what you said. It's just when I went out there and played football or I was out wrestling after wrestling me, if I say I went out there in a wrestling meet and I won, say I pinned, pinned my, pinned my opponent, did great and everything's great. The coach is like, great, good job, Jake. And I'm like, okay, cool. And I go home and my dad's like, yeah, good job. Proud of you. Okay, thanks. You know, it's, it's great hearing those things, but we were out there in the field hunting and you make a good shot on an animal and then everyone's just like, oh my gosh, like this is amazing. Great job. It's just a totally different level. I feel like of excitement Mm -hmm. and emotion. emotions. It's well, and it's also because I feel like hunting it's a big responsibility. You have a responsibility when they're out there hunting, whether you're, you know, 12 or 13 or, you know, 45 or 50, you know, there it's that responsibility. You have a responsibility as a hunter. If you're going to pull that trigger to make the best shot that you can on that animal. And I think that has a lot to do with it. So when you're talking to someone new and preaching all that stuff, and then you see, see them put it together and do it. It's like, Thank God, this is that was awesome. Like the whole thing was awesome, and you did it. Like I don't know, I think, I feel like the responsibility is a lot different that you have while you're hunting rather than you than like wrestling or playing football. No, I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, but uh, I do want to be respectful of your time. I know you said you have to take off pretty soon. Um, do you have time for like a quick another quick question? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, so I did. This is a selfish question. All right. Sorry for any listeners out there, but I just bought a 30 out six. It's like one of my first, I guess, hunting rifles. And it's a, like I said earlier, it's a Ruger M77 Hawkeye and 30 out six. The reason why I bought that is because someday down the line, I'm going to rebarrel it for a 35 Whalen. And I've been looking oh, at, nice. I've been looking into those a lot lately. Um, what, do you have any experience with that with that cartridge at all, or? So I the only experience I have with a thirty five Whalen is, again, very fortunate. Growing up, we had a we had a core group of guys that that all hunted together, whether that was family or friends, and a very very long standing friend of the family. Uh, he had a thirty five Whalen, and I knew nothing about what that was. Uh, until he explained it to me when I was like 14 years old and I, I got to see him shoot an elk with his and it was awesome. He shot a great big bull and he was an older dude that didn't get around very good. Um, you know, he's, he's still alive, still a good friend of, of the family. And um, I, I remember again, just going back to, you know, having those experiences with other people. I remember, you know, being so happy for him when he shot that bull with that old 35 way. I think it's the only thing he ever killed with it. Um, oh, really? but that is my only experience with the cartridge and, and, and I know, I mean, it's iconic and I applaud you for wanting to go old school. Cause I yeah. could, I don't, I don't know if anybody these days, you know, would, would under the age of 50 knows what a Whalen is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, probably not. <laughs> yeah. So I wish I could give you some amazing advice, but my, my only experience is just that I thought it was a cool gun and, and yeah. got to see it. An old guy shooting elk with one one year. Yeah, because it's I mean it's just a, a thirty out six necked up to thirty five, which is yep. pretty cool. Um, but I got a 
I guess say the reason why. Because as, as I had Luke from Arrowhead Rifles on, he's a you know custom rifle builder, and he was from Iowa. And I was talking to him about it, and he's like, "Hey, you need to get a thirty-five Wayland." And I was kind of talking to him about it, and then it got me interested, and I started looking into it more. And I've heard I've heard little bits about people talking about the thirty-five Wayland, so I, I kind of feel like maybe it's making a resurgence. Resurgence. But I think a big reason why is because in the Midwest states like Iowa, uh, a couple of years ago, we passed a law. Where it's not sh- shotgun deer season anymore. We always used to call it shotgun season because you used to only be able to use shotguns for deer hunting um, during the gun season, right? So now they allow anything from 35 to 500. So in that in that range, like, hey, you know what? If you have a rifle... That's larger than thirty five, but smaller smaller than fifty. Then you can use that during deer season. Like that's pretty badass because when they first passed the law, it was straight walled cartridge, straight walled cartridge cartridges only. Jeez, and uh, now you can use a like a thirty five Whalen. And I'm like, man, wouldn't that be sick to have a awesome thirty five Whalen to have as my deer gun? And I saw this. It's a you know, it's a wood grain Ruger with a controlled round feed. Um, action, just a solid rifle. I'm like, this would be such a sick deer, um, deer rifle whenever I mm-hmm. decided to rebarrel the 35 one. But I guess the question was, um, I guess ballistically, what would you recommend for something like that? If so, I mean, you're idea, being an, yeah, be, being in Iowa, you're probably not going to be shooting very far with it, right? Right, probably not. I, I don't know. I've never been to Iowa, so I'm not oh, okay. sure what your, your terrain's like. But, it's pretty flat. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, the, the the gun's pretty capable of, you know, of, you know, 300, even 400 yards with mm-hmm. no problem. Um, but for where you're at, like, in what we make, uh, a VX5 2 to 10 or a VX6 2 to 12, depending on how much money you want to spend, um, you really can't go wrong with the venerable, you know, anything in the 3 to 9 or 3.5 to 10 range. Right. Um, you know, if, if your shots are going to be less than 200 yards, another awesome scope that we make would be even just a, you know, a, a one to five or a one to six. Cause mm-hmm. do you guys, do you guys tree, uh, tree stand hunt during rifle season? N- not usually. No, uh, okay. sometimes I guess, but not usually, usually we're on the ground and I'm going to lie. Some, uh, deer drives are pretty popular in Iowa. Okay. So a lot of people do a lot of deer drives and I have kind of gotten away from that a little bit, but getting into if I'm going to get back into gun season because I used to just be doing uh, like late muzzleloader stuff and I do really want to get back into gun season and that is a pretty popular tactic especially if you don't really have the land I guess to sit because otherwise other, everyone else would be pushing and doing mm-hmm. other things but yeah no I was that's what I was thinking too is like the 2 to 12 but um, yeah, that, that's, I mean, the, especially with those broad zoom ranges, you know, it's almost like having two, if you compare to the, the old days when we just had three times zooms and four times zooms, right. you know, it's almost like having two rifle scopes in mm-hmm. one at that point, you know, you've got the two, the two power gives you a huge field of view on the bottom mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, really, especially in the VX5, VX6 family, you, you've got such incredible optics for the, for what you're really paying for the scope. Like I think the VX5 is probably the, the 
best bang for the buck in, in the hunting world right now for, for a rifle scope. For sure. Uh, but then if you do need to take those longer shots, you know, you've got that 10 power, that 12 power also. So it kind of is the best of both worlds, yep. something in that range. And that's another reason why I was going towards the 35 willing, because I would like to be able to take it out and do double duty with it, you know, elk, mule deer type stuff as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 But so, I mean, to go back to them saying that you can, you can use anything that's 35 like that sounds like someone had intended a rule that really backfired on them if you think about it well <laughs> they did that is what happened <laughs> it's, it's, it's like so you know you're yeah basically you're saying that i could i could build a super hot 35 caliber a 375 and, yep. <laughs> and it's totally fine you know uh-huh. you can shoot two miles with it but <laughs> well the thing is like you can use a 30 like a 375 h&h you know, technically, like you can. It's, yeah. But I think what happened is that they originally, when they first passed it, it was straight walled cartridges only. So, like, mm-hmm. you know, but then there were some um, discrepancies, and some guys were having like very modest shoulder, you know, shoulders on their cartridges, like a 35 oil, and like it has a very modest shoulder because it's a 30 out 6 case necked up to a 35 caliber. There's a very small shoulder on that. I think there's just a lot of discrepancies and a lot of people buying certain rifles and being like, well, what the fuck? We can't use this. I just bought it. You, you guys said it was legal. And they're like, well, that one's not legal because it's not straight. Like, I can't tell. It looks pretty straight to me kind of stuff, I, I think. <laughs> and then the DNR is just it like, It identifies fuck it. as a straight wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I think the state of Iowa and the DNR is like, fuck it. 35 to 50 then. That's what it is. 35, 350 to 500. That's what you get. No. So. <laughs> that, that's awesome, but again, it just it just sounds like a, a one of those those things that just didn't turn out the way they thought it would. Yeah. Well, an inter- <laughs> an inter- <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure that's what happened. There's probably a lot of arguments, a lot of hate mail sent to the DNR after that because just passing rifles in general in the state of Iowa was like a lot of people. There's a lot of mixed reviews. Some people were super stoked, and some people were like, "What the hell? This is crazy. We're gonna kill all the deer. There's gonna be no deer left in Iowa if we." What's next? Like 300 wind mag? You know, it's like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, no, it's, I think it's going to be fun. It'll be a fun little build for the next few years. Oh yeah. That sounds like a great project. Yeah. But, uh, I, I knew, I know you got to get going, so I'm going to go ahead and let you go. I do appreciate you coming on, John. Um, this has been a blast. We've got about an hour in, so that's perfect. Well, that's awesome. I've had a lot of fun and, and enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. And whenever you got a little more time, you want to come back on and talk about some stuff, let me know. I'm your open invite. You can come on whenever you want. And uh, if you want a quick plug, whatever, I, I know we talked a lot about loopholes already, but if you want to plug anything else, feel free. Yeah, just if you know if if, if you're interested in, in what we make, just hit up loophole.com, check out the website. We've got a lot of cool stuff out there and, and keep your eyes on us because we've got a lot of really fun stuff coming too. Yeah. You guys also make a lot of other shit. Like you have rangefinders, binos, spotting scopes, and then also your apparel line is badass as well. I will say. Like I looked at some of that stuff and it's super badass. And a lot of the working class guys have had that stuff in your performance eyewear. I feel like a lot of people sleep on your sunglasses. That you're making and shooting glasses and they are badass i just gotta say that like i have a pair and they're the, my favorite pair of eyeglasses i've ever had in my life so no that's great that's great to hear yeah, yeah. It's, i mean we the, the company does a really good job and quality quality is our number one thing making sure that the customer gets a square deal and and quality and performance that's what we're all about and uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you're enjoying them 
because uh, we, we put a lot of time and effort into trying to make sure that we're, we're putting the best thing out there for, for people at whatever level that they can afford. Um, you know, just the value is there in all of our products. Yep. Well, I really do think you guys are doing a great job and getting like, just seeing how much work you guys have been doing in the hunting industry and all in the shooting industry, just getting out there and doing all these, you guys have been very active and it's probably been a very busy, I guess, past few years. Cause it seems like you guys have really been hitting it hard and getting out there and doing things and putting your money where your mouth is. So that's awesome. No, I appreciate hearing that. Thank you very much. Yep. So, all right guys. Well, that's all we got for you. Appreciate you tuning in. All right. And thanks again, John. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Jake. It's been great.